Something about the love of God. If you ever recognize and embrace the love that he has for you, uh, it'll change your life. Uh, because to the believer, Romans uh, 5 says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts. Oh, it's so good to see you men by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Everybody turn around and wave to men over there. So men has been, she's been in uh, South Korea uh, with her mother uh, helping and ministering to her mother who is... Uh, in Jesus' name, that cancer is leaving. Not, uh, you know, we prayed and it was like so aggressive and everything, and it stopped in its tracks. Uh, but you remember, men, Jesus, uh, when the blind man came to him, uh, he prayed for him. And when he prayed for him, he said, What do you see? He said, I see men like uh, trees, right? So then what did he do? He laid his hands on him again. And, uh, you know, then he was completely restored and he could see perfectly, right? So we believe for your mother, uh, complete restoration, not just it stops, but it stops and it backs up so much that it completely leaves her body in every form, right? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. So good to see you. I've been praying for you and your mom and your dad, the whole family, and it's so nice to see you in person in the flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's turn uh, to Mark chapter 11. Hallelujah. He is a healing God. Mark chapter 11 uh, and verse uh, 22 through 24. And Jesus answering said to them. What's he answering? Well, they said, like, hey, Jesus, that, that tree that you spoke to, is withered away from the roots. And so they're like wondering about this. Well, he answers, he answers them. I guess I should start with verse 21. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said to him, Master, behold, or look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. He said, look, the tree that you spoke to, that you cursed, is withered away. Well, he was still getting to know Jesus, and sometimes we're still getting to know Jesus because he didn't recognize when Jesus said it, that is the truth. I mean, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So if Jesus says it, that is the truth. Amen. He is the truth. Amen. He is the manifestation or the revelation or the personification or the representation of God. He is God in the flesh. He is the truth. So if you want to see the truth, look to Jesus. If you want to know the truth, look to Jesus. Instead of looking to your problems, or looking to reasonings, or trying to figure it out, we can actually know the truth by knowing Jesus. We can look to the truth by looking to Jesus. He is the Word. Thank God. You're really no closer to Jesus than you are to the Word of God. And you're really no closer to the Word of God than you are to the Spirit of God. Because uh, Paul said, by God's Spirit in Corinthians, that these words here 
are spiritually understood or spiritually discerned or figured out. He said, it's like speaking spiritual things to spiritual people. But he actually said to them, he said, you know, I'd love to speak more spiritual things to you, but you're not ready. You can only handle a little milk, but you should be ready, right? So he said, we speak spiritual things to them that are spiritual. So if you try to read the Word of God with a natural thinking mind or natural reasoning, it's not going to do a whole lot for you because it's not a mental book. It is spiritual truth, right? The Word of God is spiritual reality. And Jesus, when he was here in the flesh with his uh, close followers, his disciples, he told them, those that were even Peter, James, and John, like the most inner circle, he said, I'm leaving, and this is good for you. I know I would have thought, how can that be good for me? The best thing that happened to me in my entire life is when I left those fishing nets behind, and I started walking with you, and I began to see things I never saw. I begin to encounter a love that I didn't know was possible. Why? He went, Jesus went preaching, teaching, and healing because love compelled him. Love ushered him in. He had compassion on them. He saw the multitudes scattered. Everybody going this way, that way, doing this, doing that, as sheep without a shepherd. And he lifted up his eyes and he prayed and he said, uh, pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into his harvest field. Laborers into his harvest field. Just a short little path. You know, like the harvest right now is ripe and it is ready. And so if you go to tell somebody how Jesus changed your life and you expect them to reject and you expect them to be like, ah, I heard that before. You do not have a biblical perspective. Because the Bible says the harvest is ready. We just need someone to tell them what God did in my life through his son Jesus Christ. Most people will receive that. The harvest is ready. Well, that's called... Um, Witnessing by faith. In other words, you have an expectation that the, the word will be received. And then I might as well just finish that up. It's not upon you anyhow. Amen. It's not you that they're necessarily receiving. If they receive what you say uh, concerning the word, then they receive him. But we're not called to defend the gospel. We're called to tell people the gospel. Hey, this, this is really good. My life was dark. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't have purpose. And then I met Jesus. And my darkest days were turned to light. And my greatest worries were, were I gave them away. My greatest weakness, he gave me strength. Right? In other words, there's such an anointing on what God has done in your life or what we call your testimony. And so you don't have to come up with a bunch of new things or a bunch of doctrine. 
what you have to do, uh, Peter said, the things that we have seen and heard and handled of the word of life, this is what we're telling you about, or this we declare to you. So all you have to do to be a witness for God is let him do something in your life and then tell people what he did. Well, faith itself is a turning from the natural and a turning from man's thoughts, man's reasonings, and man's ways to the supernatural, to Jesus Christ himself. And it is a life that is turned towards him. It is not, what is even the date today? 27th? Yeah. It is not like September 27th. On that day, I turn to Jesus. But on September 28th on Monday, I'm doing things my own way. That's not a believer. Faith is a constant reliance upon God. In other words, faith is a decision. I'm not going to have my life turned towards myself or other people from this point forward. I'm turned towards Jesus every day for the rest of my life and every day uh, 10,000 years, 20,000 years, 100,000 years if you measure it in earth time. Forever I am turned towards him. So, and every moment, it's, a, it's continual. If you look at, you know, I have that big 10-volume dictionary that talks about faith. So, uh, in that, faith itself is present tense. So, yes, I had faith in God when I turned my heart to Him. But I have to be continually having my heart connected to Him and looking to Him. Otherwise, I'll get earthly results. And you'll be like a frustrated believer because you're really not a believer. I'm not saying you haven't been born again, but believers do what? Believe. Like my friend Brother Hockaday says, tiggers bounce and believers believe. Right? Tiggers bounce, believers believe. So if you're a believer... What you do, what you are fashioned to do is believe. So by default, you believe. So don't doubt, believe. You're made to believe. When you were recreated in Christ Jesus, you were, Mark eleven twenty two. 22, have the faith of God or grab hold of the faith of God. You want to see something like, like this fig tree wither or things happen just because you spoke it? Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Grab hold of what God has said. Grab hold on God's truth. Have faith in God. Right? So you don't ever have like faith in your faith. Uh, well, not if you want to get results. Uh, you want to have faith in God. So I, I love it. And the, the Lord just uh, always kind of puts it on my heart you got to realize before verse 23 and 24 is verse 22. It's almost like a prerequisite. Have faith in God. Then whoever says to this mountain, right? So if you look at the face of God, like we talked about last week, if you set your face like a flint and you're looking to God and then all of a sudden you encounter a mountain that seems too big to cross, uh, the altitude is too high, you can't make it up it, but if you're looking at God... You can look at him and speak to the mountain. Be removed. Be cast into the sea. 
and does not what? Doubt in his heart that whatever he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says, right? So what? You have to believe that the things that you say come to pass. Well, the only way I know to believe the things that I say will come to pass, because I don't know about you, but I've been acquainted with my power and great ability. <laughs> oh, I can do it, you know. Like we talk about in the time of worship, worship and giving, like, well, I'll just do it on my own. I'm just going to do it. I don't know. Maybe men are better at that than women. I will carry the whole table by myself. Do you need help? No, I got it. I got it. Right? This is a male pride or something. Okay. So, what you find out, you don't have as much power and ability as maybe uh, your reasoning wants to let you think. Right? Uh, and uh, so, the only way I know to believe the things that I say will come to pass is if I'm saying what God said, if I'm relying on Him. So in other words, if I get what I'm supposed to say from the Creator of all things, and then I say it, well, I don't have to think, well, how am I going to make that come to pass? How is that going to happen? No. I know if I have faith in God, He's the one that makes it come to pass. I just trust Him. I don't have to trust me. I don't have to trust my muscles or my strength or my, my mental, uh, what do you call it? Right, see, I'm having trouble with the mental part right now. <laughs> like, oh, everything I've learned and studied and done all this. Well, even if, even if it's God's word, if you didn't study it in such a fashion that I would just like to say you fed upon the word from your spirit, I don't care how much you studied the Word of God. If you did all mental studying, it's not going to amount to anything. In fact, it can be a hindrance to you. You've got you to do what Jesus said, and that is man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you notice that? He didn't say, but by every word that came out of the mouth of God. He said, by every word that proceedeth, out of the mouth of God. Faith is right now. Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Why do you do what you do? Why do you act the way you act? Well, if you're doing it because that is your now faith, you're going to get results. Well, think about it. Why do you do what you do? Think it on the negative. Why do you do what you do? Because you don't have faith in God in that arena. You're not laying hold of God's faithfulness. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never go far away from you. In fact, there's no place you can go. You can go up into heaven. He's there. You can be on the earth. He's there. You can go into hell. He's there. Psalmist said, even there your hand will lead me and guide me. If I go to the uttermost parts of the earth, even there you'll lead me. You know, you can't go where God is not. But you can be wherever you are and ignore him. And then you'll see how great your power is. Not, not very great. So, therefore, for verily I say to you. In other words, listen to what I'm saying. You can take this to the bank and beyond the bank. You can take this to eternity. This is the way that it is. I am telling you the whole thing. Uh, the, you know, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. 
that whosoever will say to this mountain. So you've got to say something. Be removed and be cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Shall believe. What? Those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So you better be saying the right thing. Somebody came to Kenneth Hagin one time and said, that is not true. That verse does not work for me. He said, what did you say? He said, that verse is not true. It doesn't work for me. He said, what did you say? He said, I said, the verse is not true. It does not work for me. I don't have what I say. And he said, oh. Uh, I guess I need to, I think he said I need to turn that record over and play it the other direction. In other words, he had what he said. He was getting what he said. It works on the positive and the negative. Glory to God. That should be good news. Well, it shouldn't be. It is good news. So if you find yourself uh, on the wrong side, you know, when I flew home yesterday uh, on the little, I flew into Dulles, and so they have these weird-looking Shuttle things that are like really high, you know, and they got the two little airplane tails looking things. Anyhow, there was some guy on that next to me, and a young guy, and uh, he had two records, actual records, you know, with the old cardboard case and everything like that. You know, they're coming back because the sound quality is amazing. Okay, anyhow. <laughs> so uh, I grew up, and the first thing we had is we had like a, a, a that I recall, is we had like a console record player. So it was like, you know, come from here to over here, and uh, the, the little, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but the round thing where you put the records, turntable, thank you, uh, was in the middle. And so what you do is you take the record out of the sleeve, and, you know, record's about this big around. Where's my young people? Okay. And so, and then you put it on there, and you play, put the needle on it, and it, as it spins, it plays the sound, and then you can take it and turn it over, and you can play the other side. Okay. So uh, this is good news because if you're playing the record on the wrong side, I just told you what a record is, kind of, and so you could take it and turn it over. In other words, you're not stuck in what you're in. If you don't like what you have in life, check and see what you've been saying. Check and see which side of the record player you've been playing. I should have brought a record, but I don't own one. Okay, so flip it over and play the other side. Hallelujah. And you'll have whatever you say. All right, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, what things, what things soever you desire. In other words, whatever things you desire. You didn't mishear me. Jesus said, whatever things you desire. Therefore, he said. In other words, therefore, based on what I just talked about, have faith in God. You saw this, have faith in God. Whoever says it's a mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things, things, he says, comes to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, based on all of that, I'm telling you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. Didn't Jesus know us better than we know ourselves? Now, nobody else raised your hand, but I have, 
I have uh, prayed before and not believed. And realized I was just doing a routine or just saying something, right? No, he said when you pray, believe. Oh, I'm going to spit on you. When you pray, believe. So when you pray, do what? All right, say it again so everybody can say it. When you pray, believe. believe. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. All right. Believe that you receive them. Receive what? What you're praying about, the things, what that you desire. And you will have them. When are you going to have them? After you believe that you receive them. Then you'll have them. Like, okay, so I got I got A.B. Simpson, I love his testimony. That man had like a serious heart problem, so much so he was a minister. He couldn't even preach. Uh, well, he'd preach on Sunday, and then he would take till Wednesday to physically recover from preaching. The and he is preaching the word of God, the very words of life, yeah. yielding to God's spirit. The quickener of our bodies or the, 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 the life in our bodies, right? The Holy Spirit of God, if he dwells in you, he will quicken or make to live your mortal body. So he's up there, maybe like some of us, encountering God's word, yet he has hardly strength in his body. So he said, well, he had other people getting healed in his church, and he's like, uh, I can't do this, so I'm going to take off two weeks and I'm going to a cabin that we have up in New England. And he said, I'm going to study the word of God. And I'm going to study every scripture I can find about healing. And so he studied them and studied them until after two weeks, he said, I recognized from his heart that healing is of the physical body is just as much a part of the redemptive work that Jesus did as the redemptive work he did for my spirit. And so he wrote in his journal, he said, I take this day Jesus as my healer just as I have taken him as my Lord. Do you know we should receive Jesus as our healer? There's a guy, he was a free Methodist uh, guy, and um, he, um, until he was about age uh, 40, I think, uh, he would just kind of go along like everybody else and have sickness here and there and everything else like that. But then somebody came to his church and he gave an invitation for people to come and receive Jesus as their healer. And he, so he did that. Do you know, uh, Dad Hagen talked about him at age 89, almost 90 years old. And that man had every hair on his head. And that man had, this is back, way back when people lose teeth a lot, every tooth in his mouth. And he said... You can ask my wife. I'm just as much a man at 90 as I was at 23. And Dad Hagen said, well, I, I didn't ask her. But she looked and kind of chuckled and said, yeah, he's telling the truth. He said, and then he said, uh, that was his name, Mr. Smith. He said he was walking away, and then he stopped, and he turned around. And he said to him, he said, I learned how to keep this and held his tongue. The Bible says, he that would see uh, 
uh, life and good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. So it really matters what we let proceed out of our mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. There is he that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Well, your sword can be cutting other people, can be cutting yourself. But the tongue of the wise is health. Your words, the words, words created the world. Words create. So your words can destroy or your words can bless and bring health and healing. In fact, James, over in James chapter 1, said, you know, uh, out of your mouth is, you, you, with your mouth you're blessing God, but you're cursing men. And then he used a great illustration. He said, can you have a fountain or a spring of water that has both uh, good water and poisonous water? I'm just kind of putting in 21st century language, right? Can, can, they, can it have both? Can you like pour some cyanide into some water and say, well, there's good water there and there's bad water there? No, it contaminated the whole thing. So he said, with our mouth, we are blessing God, saying, thank you, Lord, praise the Lord. But we're cursing men who were what? Made in the very image of God. King James says, my friend, these things ought not so to be. In other words, this should not be this way. We are called to bless. We're called to speak words of blessing. Well, if you find you're having trouble with this, one of the greatest things to do is pray. Before you talk about someone, pray for them. Well, if, if you believe when you pray, well, you're going to have a really hard time talking about them after you pray. Because you come into contact with God. And when you come into contact with Him, you begin to see things from His perspective. And you begin to see people uh, uh, by who they are in Christ. Uh, through the blood of Jesus. Like, like uh, you don't see me and I don't see you based on natural things. Even the disciples, they said, we used to know Jesus according to the flesh, but we don't know him this way anymore. If you try to get to know Jesus by the flesh, you might not be that amazed. You'd be like, well, that was a good man. Well, he was a good man, but he was and is, and evermore will be the very Son of God who took on flesh and became man. He is the union of God and man. So that every person, every man, every woman, every child who would receive Him would receive God. That every man, woman, child who would come in union with Him would, would we be united with the source of his life and the source of his power? Isn't God good? Yeah. I mean, the plan of God was never that you'd be off on your own, that you'd be struggling, that you'd be trying to figure it out, but that through the blood of Jesus and the life of Jesus, no matter the challenge, no matter the struggle, I don't care how big the mountain, that when it comes in contact with Jesus Christ, 
through your lips, that mountain has to move. Mark Hankins, Pastor Mark said, you know, the Lord told him one time uh, that our job is just to introduce the mountain to Jesus. We are to arrange the meeting. You don't have to move the mountain. You speak to the mountain. In other words, we use our words in agreement with what God has said. So I'm going to say the same thing as God said. Whatever God said, I'm going to say. Well, but it doesn't seem like that's true. That's the mountain. If it seemed like it was true, you'd be in the plains. You'd be like, I can see right through it. I see all the way through it. There is no mountain. Do you guys see a mountain there? There's no mountain there. So everybody can say there's no mountain there. That's not faith. But when there's a mountain, it requires faith to remove it. What is faith? Well, faith is not an object. Faith is reliance upon a person, and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Lay hold on the faith of God. All right. So, believe it or not, this is a continuation of the last two weeks' message. But I didn't get to this part last week. So, um, therefore, what things soever you desire, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So, A.B. Simpson believed he received. And in his testimony, he said, I take Jesus as my healer. And then he wrote in his journal my favorite statement, which was, whether my body felt any different at the moment, I don't know. But I knew God had it in his hand. He believed he received. And actually, his body was no different. Because if you keep reading in his uh, writings, a short time after that, I think it was within 30 days, he was at a minister's conference, and they said, after the conference, we're going to go climb the mountain. And he said, the thought came to my mind, you cannot climb a mountain, you will die. And he said, I had a choice. Was I going to continue to believe that I had received or was I going to doubt? And he said, I was really tempted. But he said, no, I believe it. So he said, I took one step up the mountain and my heart felt worse. I took another step and my heart felt worse. I took another step. Why? He believed he received. He said, I think when he got, I have to reread it, but I think when he got about halfway up, every symptom left him and never came back. Well, he was not healed that day he was climbing the mountain. He was healed like 30 days before when he believed he received what the word said was his. So uh, when you pray, believe you receive and you will have. Believe that you receive. Well, healing is spiritual. And so it affected his spirit and then it showed up in his body. All right. So... Get your praise out front. Well, how do you get your praise out front? 
Well, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, they, they had this great multitude coming against them, and they set themselves to seek the Lord. Proclaimed a fast. Hey, we're going to put some things aside and prioritize seeking the Lord. They prayed. And the Lord said, put the praisers in the front. Right? Put the praisers in the front. Well, you go to Acts chapter 16, 25. Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison. And at midnight, verse 25 says, they prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. So they didn't pray, oh Lord, you know, deliver us from this. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, they were loud enough that the prisoners heard them. So they prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. Many times as a believer, we pray, but we forget to praise. Well, Mark eleven twenty four. If you believe you receive, what would you actually do? Let me say it this way. What would you be thinking in your mind? What would be springing up from your heart? Well, sometimes what's springing up from my heart is, thank you, Lord. And what's in my mind at the same time is, is that going to work? How can that be true? Is that real? Well, that comes from an unrenewed mind. But you know, if you've prayed and you actually believe and you begin to praise, the more you praise, it silences the voice of the enemy. And it silences the voice of reason. Where reason's just trying to, let me figure it out. I can, I'll believe it if I can figure it out. Right? Some people just have faith as far as reason lets them, you know. But uh, the Bible lets you go beyond reason. The Bible is unreasonable. The Bible is not reasonable. Thank God it's not. I mean, did you ever hear Pastor Mark say, if you could figure out God, we'd all be disappointed? <laughs> In other words, your intellect is a match for God? No. He said, my ways are higher, my thoughts are higher. It's a mystery. But Paul said, this is the mystery of the gospel that we have been called to reveal. And really, we don't reveal it. It's God's own spirit that reveals himself. Man, when you have a teacher like God's spirit, when you have God's own spirit uncovering and revealing to you the plan of God, and the power of God, and the might of God. Well, if that is actually happening, you, you have to like try to hold the thanks back and hold the praise back. So faith is not difficult, but you're not going to get there through reason. Faith is actually simple. And faith to the believer is completely natural. 
and normal. And when you are trusting God, or what some people term in faith, there is a spring in your step and a, 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 a smile on your face and a joy in your heart that bubbles up out your mouth. Like, thank you, Lord. Well, if you really did believe, would you be thankful? Like, if you had this problem for, the, you know, uh, 14 years, and it's been bothering you for 14 years in your body, and, and maybe like A.B. Simpson, like 18 years or something. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what. He was full of joy the moment he saw from the Word, with the light of God's Spirit, the reality of the effect on his body of the stripes of Jesus. When he saw that, we, we started this, when we start this major series, like in February, was it, Jessica, or something? Will you talk about, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me? I had never seen it so vividly in my life that when you see Jesus lifted up on the cross, because sometimes uh, 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 the type of believers we are, people like to just go to the resurrection. But let's take a moment and look at the cross. So when you look at him on the cross, what's on him on the cross? Well, I'll tell you what's on him. Whose sin? Whose sickness? Whose poverty? So if I see him lifted up and I see that on him. Remember last week, was it last week we talked about the brazen serpent? So like Moses in the wilderness, they're a snake bitten. Well, that can be like sickness and disease. That can be vicious, evil uh, people. Well, people really aren't vicious and evil, but the vicious, evil devil working through people unknowingly or knowingly. What happened? God said, fashion a serpent on that pole. What the people must have been thinking? Why is Moses lifting up the th very thing that hurt us? Why is he lifting up the very thing? Why is he putting on a pole the very thing that bit us? Because this was to represent Jesus when he would say, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. So the very thing that was to bring death to them it was put on the cross, and the cross was a place of shame and total and utter defeat. So whatever has bit you, if you would just see it on the cross on Jesus and know that he took that thing and the shame of it, isn't the devil evil? That you get some sickness, some disease, some poverty. Not only do you have to go through that if you don't believe. But you have the shame of it. Because the devil is a shame dealer. If he can get you to submit to the shame that he brings on you, he will dominate you. But we have been set free by the blood of Jesus from all shame. In fact, Hebrews even says the very consciousness of sin is wiped out by the blood of Jesus. So not only is the sin removed, somebody say, well, I know I'm forgiven. Yeah, but do you know 
that the very act itself has been removed from your record so that it cannot be found. It's not there. It's like I was looking at some of those old houses. I always tell the story to Jessica because I don't know if you know, but she is like a historic building restorationist. So I asked Jessica about the paint color. You know, if you do a historic building, they want you to paint it like it was and everything. And so we were at the house and we cut into some of the, anyhow, we opened up and you could see, I don't know, was it four layers or five layers of paint, several layers of paint under there. And so she's like, well, we need to get down. We want to get down to the original layer of paint so we can find out what it was originally painted like in the era in which it was built. That is not, that's the opposite of a picture of what the blood of Jesus does to your sins. It doesn't just put another layer over. So, oh, it's painted nice and uh, they look real nice. It's not like putting on makeup. No, it's like being reborn with the baby skin. You're born again. Brand new. Never existed before. And this new creature, uh, Romans 5.17, that we, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we have become has been recreated in union with Christ. You're not even alone when you're born again. There's no pressure on you. You're free as a bird if you trust God. Praise the Lord. Uh, Dad Hagen would tell this story about a guy, and I've looked for the news article. Maybe somebody can help me find it, but I can't find it. But he said in Akron, Ohio, and I don't remember the exact year, but it was like in the 30s when they used to have these uh, blimps. You know, even know what a blimp is? We used to have the Goodyear blimp fly over our house in Chicago all the time. So, um, uh, so they had these blimps for the military, and uh, the, they were trying to, like, tie the thing down, and there was this big uh, windstorm that came up, and it blew the blimp so much so that some of the guys lost grip of the ropes and the blimp starts going up into the air because there's not enough uh, human weight to hold it down. And so as it's going up into the air, these guys start getting scared and they let go of the ropes. And the ones that let go pretty low, you know, they're okay. The other one's a little higher. They broke legs and stuff. And the other one's like died. But there's this one guy that was held onto the rope and everybody is down below watching. And they're like in great fear. Because they're like, they just know this guy is going to drop eventually. His strength is going to give out. And he's going to come crashing to the ground and just be splattered. Not to be gross, but I mean, you fall from that high. So, um, so they're watching, they're watching. Finally, they get the blimp under control and it comes down. And this guy is still holding on to the rope. So the news media shows up and they said, all these other people fell. How in the world did you not fall? He said, well, I looked, and when I realized I am way too far off the ground to let go, he said, I just held the rope with one hand and grabbed the end of it and tied it around me like this, and I sat in the, in the loop that I had made and just waited. <laughs> so everybody thought, looking at him, they're like holding on for him. Oh, that must be so difficult. Oh, that must be so hard. Oh, that must be really rough. That is the perfect illustration for living by faith. Other people may look at you and think, how do they do that? They have so much strength. Oh, no. 
it's Jesus that has so much strength. We just tied his word around us, and we just sit there and kind of look out and enjoy the view. Glory to God. God is not against us. He is for us. Sometimes we're against ourselves because we're against the word. But if we receive the word and live our life in the path and the direction that the word sheds upon us, you can live a life free. You can be uh, going higher and higher where everyone else would be more and more fear, and you're just like, I have never seen this far before. I've never been outside the blimp. I'm outside the blimp, and I can see everything. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, thank God he said heart, not head, <laughs> but believes, belief is of the heart, those things that he says will come to pass. Is there anything as sweet as in the very face of defeat, victory coming out of your mouth, saying, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ, right? When you're looking at a bill and you're looking at an account and one would make the other negative, you're like, my God shall supply all of my needs. You don't say that from your head. You say it from your heart. Because, you know what? I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how that mountain's going to move. But he didn't tell me, figure out how the mountain's going to move and get some trucks in here and start shoveling away. He said, no, you speak to the mountain and believe the things you say come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Glory to God. The reason you can have confidence in that is because you have faith in God. Your faith rests in God. Throw out your arm. Your faith is latched onto God. That you're like, I don't really care. I'm not letting go. Am I hurting you? I'm not letting go of God. I'm, I'm, I am in union with him. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys know the story Lillian Yeomans tells. Uh, it's called a message called the Praise Cure. The Praise Cure. The, the, there was a, this a smallpox disease going on, and this lady missionary here, actually her name was Carrie Judd, amazing. Uh, she influenced like Wigglesworth and all these people. Just she's an amazing woman of God that uh, ministered a lot on the subject of healing. Anyhow, uh, she was ministering to the um, people with smallpox, and she got smallpox. And she was standing on Psalm 91. No plague will come near my dwelling. But she got smallpox. And so she sought the Lord. And the Lord gave her this vision of a balance beam scale. You know balance beam scale? I'll be the scale. So she saw on this, she saw the one pan, like her prayers was here. And this one said praise, and her praises were here. And the Lord said to her, as soon as your praise and thanksgiving equals your prayer, your body will be healed. So she began to praise the Lord. The Lord said, actually, if you praise me for my faithfulness to my word. 
So it's not just saying praise the Lord or glory to God or hallelujah. But why are you saying that? Because he said, no plague will come near my dwelling. Thank you, Lord, that no plague will come near my dwelling. Thank you, Lord, that every sickness and every disease that comes against my body, it falls away and it flees and it runs. Thank you, Lord, that we have authority over every sickness and every disease. Thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus is my deliverance. Thank you, Lord, that the stripes of Jesus are my healing. Right? And so it said she, she began to praise and praise so much that the doctors and nurses came in and thought she was going insane. And she said, I just figured... I ought to praise him and thank him for my healing from every pox that's on my body. And I had so many spots on my body. I had my praise had to be so much. So she praised all day and she praised all night. And at the end, you know what happened? Her skin was clean as a baby skin. Amen. Well, we probably never had smallpox in here. But if you ever had smallpox and then you're not divinely healed, you will have scars. And she had no scars because she just began to praise and thank God. So sometimes we pray, but we forget to praise. Well, if you ever really pray, you would believe when you pray. And if you believe when you pray, thank God. Glory to God. It's done. It's taken care of. So uh, does anybody uh, have a sickness in their body right now or anything that you'd like to be prayed for? Just slip up your hand. We'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. Nobody has sickness or disease in their body that they would like to be prayed for. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's good. That's good. Most churches, if you say that, about 30 to 50% of the people would like to be prayed for. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Cultivate the attitude of faith and allow the atmosphere of thanksgiving and praise to be continually on your lips. Psalmist David said that. Your praise will be continually on my lips. Especially when the unexpected shows up in your life. Let praise be the first word out of your mouth. Well, the way you can do that is if you believe God. You can actually have a thrill to live by faith. That when something comes that your flesh wants to like whine and complain and be like, oh, everything's going horrible. That when those thoughts are stirring in your brain, your mouth says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Well, is Jesus doing good in glory right now? And my God shall supply all of my need. If I need a job, he will supply it. If I need a friend, a godly friend, he will supply it. If my children need godly friends, he will supply it. If my parents need godly friends, he will supply it. You know how important relationships are? You become like who you're around. 
Your relationships are vital. Sickness and disease come against your body. COVID comes against your body. It only has a right if through your thoughts and words you give it access. Every name that is named must bow to the name of Jesus. You take authority over your house, over your place of business. You don't allow that stuff. Not because you're somebody, but because Jesus is somebody. And COVID, COVID was on the cross when he was lifted up. They might as well make uh, the little crown looking thing with balls on it, you know, make a pole with that thing on it. Because that was on Jesus. And he defeated it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I will end with this verse right here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, second half of the verse. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yet believing, you rejoice. If you believe, you're rejoicing. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll praise Him again in a second. Uh, if you're here today, online or in person, and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He is real. He is alive. He is a person. And He can be received. You can have a relationship with Him. Just more real than a relationship with another human being that you see on the earth. And that relationship only comes by believing. Romans chapter 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The second you do that, you'll be born again. Romans chapter 4 actually says that uh, when Jesus was on the cross, once we were declared righteous, that's when God raised him from the dead. So he was not raised from the dead until we were declared right with God. He did it for us, and he set us free from the power of the devil. If you'd like to receive Jesus this morning, uh, it's not through works. It's not because you're a, a, what we would call a good person. It's because Jesus' blood changed your spirit, and goodness flows from the inside of you. It's not a work that you that you put a lot of effort, and, oh, I'm going to do this good. I'm gonna, oh, hopefully I'm good enough. Hopefully the Lord appreciates it. Hopefully he, he'll, he'll do something for me because I did the all for him. No, that's not how you connect with God. The way you connect with God is look at what Jesus did. I receive him and what he did, and because of that, I've got to serve you. I've got to help you. I've got to do good because of that. If you would like to receive him, I'm going to pray a prayer in just about 10 seconds. You can just... Uh, repeat after me, but you must believe from your heart. Say it from your heart. Uh, you don't say it from mental reasoning, but just believe in your heart. One great way to locate your heart is if somebody uh, did something wrong towards you and you really are going to forgive them, where do you do that from? That's from your heart. That's the same place that you believe. Let's pray. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. 
and he died on the cross to take away my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I receive him right now as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm going to live for him every day for the rest of my life. I'm not living for myself anymore. Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, God, that you are now my Father. And I am now your child. In Jesus' name, amen.